Welcome to the Real Kipper and Born Show. And happy family day. Yes. From our family to yours. And as you pointed out, in the U.S., it's something different. Happy President's Day, I think. Happy President's Day to all our friends south of the border. So why are you working if it's a holiday, Kip? I'm like Glenn Healy. I, I need the money. <laughs> they pay you on a per-shift basis. That's why Glenn Healy did the Olympics. <laughs> and they're over, are they not? Here's the great thing. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. No, I did see there are closing Come ceremonies. Uh, well, we, we, needed, we needed just to catch our breath a little bit. It's been a hectic NHL season, which, yeah. which feels like it's been like three seasons in one. I got bad news for you. Have you seen the schedule the rest of the way? <laughs> Four games this week for the Toronto Maple Leafs, including yes. tonight versus their rival, albeit both teams at opposite ends of... Uh, a competitive scale. Yep. Toronto Maple Leafs, we believe one of the contending teams, dare I say it, for a Stanley Cup, or at least a team that uh, is amongst the mix, where the Montreal Canadiens uh, sit sit on the bottom. So, uh, so much to get into in the next few hours. Bill Armstrong, general manager of Arizona Coyotes, will be along a little later on in the hour. Luke Fox will be in Montreal for that game that uh, we anticipate tonight. Uh, he'll join us in the second hour as well. So welcome aboard. Sit back and relax. We got our good friends, Derek Brandale, pushing all the right buttons. Sammy, back yet again on this Monday. We shouldn't be working today, boys. We should be filing a, a complaint. It's family days. Ah, this isn't work. I can't. I can't. I do this for fun. That's true. I can't spend them with my family anyway because my parents are in Spain. My fiance's in Mexico. So your fiance's in Mexico sounds harmless. Yeah, she's fine. She's just <laughs> sitting sunburned on a beach. Somewhere. I think they consider it a good family break when they can send you here for a few hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole family's better off. Listen, this is their working, for the working from the office has done wonders for uh, my relationship with my with my fiance Allison. You, you know, know getting out of the aside, house. It truly is wonderful to come home after having been somewhere and appreciate being home again. Correct. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. So much been family hour on the Real <laughs> Kipper and Porn yeah. Show. So much to get into, guys. So uh, where do we start? You want to start with... Uh, the Russian bear? The... the, the the answer to all the Leafs' problems, yeah. <laughs> Kyle Dubas looked after that uh, with a trade with the Arizona Coyotes. No question that we've been talking and harping for months now. Time to patch up that blue line, add mm -hmm. some depth. He was able to do that. Labushkin comes over from Arizona. They lose the Nick Ritchie contract. Dezingle, part of the deal. And you know what's crazy is... We went through Friday's show. We didn't even get to Adam Brooks yeah. getting picked up off waivers and then being lost to waivers to the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. And lo and behold, same thing happens with Dezingle. Part of that trade on the weekend only to be picked up and claimed today by the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, it feels like the Leafs are dying to sneak NHL quality depth down to the Marlies that they can have access to later on. Because right now, if you look at the Marlies lineup, it's like, I guess Brett comes up or Joey Anderson. Like, they want a guy. They want a 13th guy they can trust down there. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. And this is one from a Toronto fan's perspective. Yeah. So you th always talk about guys who come into Toronto on a Saturday night and they're playing against the Leafs and they're like, there's nothing bigger than beating the Leafs. Do other general managers look at the Leafs and being like, ah, I just want to screw the Leafs. I'm just no. going to claim them. But no, I'm just going to claim no, them. Like, does it mean more? Like, if whatever, no. if San Jose put them on waivers, would somebody else claim them, or is it because the Toronto Maple Leafs put them on waivers? Think of the volume honestly. of media here when yes. 20 people tweet Dezingle's on on waivers. Toronto. I'm sure some GMs are like, oh, I, you know, yeah. normally wouldn't have noticed every single person. In, in, in all know. honesty, I, I think there is some added incentive for anybody to come in and stick it to the Leafs. I I, I won't deny that that's. That's not there. Hmm. Thank you. So, but not the Brooks. You're, 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 you're so strapped for every dollar. Uh, you, you're thinking about your team first. Dezingle, not not the first guy I would want in my lineup. You didn't love May. Eh? No, you were heartbroken no. by this Listen, loss. Uh, but here, here, here is in a nutshell. And Adam okay. Brooks, we can put in that serviceable players. Yeah that you can stick in your lineup and and not 
Not worry lose ground as to the much. next fourth line. Not exactly. Yeah. So Dezingle can do that. Adam Brooks can do that. And they've got NHL experience. Mm-hmm. And Dezingle has that. Right. And that's why the Leafs probably would have loved him with the Marlies. Yeah. I'm not even sure Dezingle, if he would have stayed with the Toronto Maple Leafs, would have been the first call-up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think the that Steves, they're, they're in. Steve's. Steve's, yeah. We're going to get into Nick Robertson because we know Kyle Dubas said some. I'm dying um, to talk about right? him. Right? We'll, yeah. we'll get into him as well. But I probably would have seen those guys get at least a look or a taste mm-hmm. even before Dezingle. But push come to shove, Dezingle's scored goals before in the National Hockey League. Yeah, he's, he's got two played. 20 goal seasons. It, it, uh, recently in 2019, he scored 20. And, and you can't. Can't beat sometimes NHL experience. So that's where San Jose comes in. Just a, a guy that can come in, and if you need him, you can plug him in, and he won't kill you. Yeah. What's so, more valuable to the Leafs, do you think? $1.1 million in cap space or Ryan Zingle? Yeah. The, Dubis, it's a, no, it's Dubis was point. calling him Zingle, by the way. Oh, so I don't know. The, the D? Uh, I'm going to stick with the Zingle because that's what it's always Zinger? been to me. But Zingle, the Zingle. All What's right. more valuable? $1.1 million come, heading to the deadline well, or, or Zingle? Or the uh, Zingle? The money's... The money is more important if you if you use it properly between now and the deadline. If they do nothing, mm. then I'll tell you that it was useless and Dezingle would have been better. Yeah, than nothing. I, I think they'll, they, they'll use it. And they had the same philosophy if they would have kept Nick Ritchie. And I think Kyle mentioned that as well. It wouldn't have been the worst thing to keep Nick Ritchie. Mm-hmm. But... They wanted the cap space to get ready for their next deal. Yeah, this did did offer them some flexibility. I just want to say on the Brooks thing, I don't know if before we turn the page on that entirely, I'm guessing what happened there is everyone involved saw him as an NHL player, but Vegas was like, we need cap space and we can maybe stash him in the minors. Mm-hmm. Toronto claims him thinking that Vegas is not going to claim him because of salary cap reasons. If Vegas says, you know, or Vegas wants to keep him, he has to stay up. So Toronto claims him, betting Vegas won't claim him back when they put him through waivers because they want him for depth. And, and Vegas, were, they were ready to claim him back. They would have, yeah. yes. And so I, Winnipeg I jumped in, in the queue. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah. So like everyone agrees. This is the point of the, where I'm going with this. This is the point of the waiver process. Brooks is an NHL player, yeah, and he found an NHL team that's going to keep him up for a minimum of thirty days now, right? I don't, you know, there's no guarantees. <laughs> they put there's him no back guarantees. on. Look at look at the yo-yo effect the, the waiver wires had in the last few years. Yeah. I, I think it's disgusting, and I would have a real issue. It's not fair to the players. It's absolutely yeah. not fair to their families, their wives, their kids, the all, all of it. But it's supposed to be fair to the players in that if one team doesn't want you, you play in the NHL. Yeah, so it's. It's not even guaranteeing that anymore. It's just a right. hope and a prayer that a, a team keeps you. And so w- when you look at these guys, it's got to really piss them off that I'm good enough to be wanted. I'm just not good enough to, to be play. kept. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough right? spot. I, I the got definition the want, of quad A. I got the want part down. Yeah. I can't quite nail the keeping part. Yeah. A lot of people in relationships like that out there. Uh, <laughs> Kipper, so let's do a hard take then. What did you think of the Leafs acquiring Labushkin and Dezingle for Richie in a conditional draft pick? You know what, JB? Let's let's go to Kyle Dubas okay. first, and we'll listen to him, and, and then we'll come out and uh, have a good conversation. All right. Uh, I think what makes Labushkin attractive, Mark, is that for us, he's we don't really have a lot of the guys that have his utility. Obviously, a big, strong right shot defenseman, strong defensively, uh, able to kill penalties and, and play with a, a little bit more physicality than what we may have. Um, you know, he's kind of gone under the radar uh, in Arizona, and, and we thought, you know, com- compared to the market uh, on other types of guys, that that it was a it was a good bet for us and get him in, work with our coaching staff and uh, work with our development staff and, and see if we can um, continue to build on, on the job that Arizona did with him, which was bring him over from Russia and, and did a, a very good job getting him to this point and obviously playing more this year, playing against better players this year and uh, doing so uh, fairly well. He just probably doesn't fit their timeline as a UFA in Arizona. Good bet for us. Mm-hmm. You know what that says to me? We couldn't afford anything else. Yeah. But it was, it's the best value for us right? without blowing our brains out right now. Yeah, and that to me is, is more commentary on what depth defenders cost on the market right now. I mean, you hear what Sherrod, they're asking for Sherrod. It sounds like the Eichel trade. It's like, ah, it's going to be a first and a <laughs> first and a. Yeah, we're talking about first, Ben Sherrod. First and a prospect, yeah. Like, relax. And then you think about Savard last year was a first. Like, 
you know, you mentioned on this show that you saw the Leafs not going after a big fish like Sherratt, but looking for someone who was like a Michael Bunting. Could we find someone in there that's cheap in their development arc that maybe has more upside, that in a better spot could be better? Labushkin checks that box, right? 100%. So that is what they were searching for. First of all, and us included, and every genius insider, where was Labushkin's name ever mentioned? Well, ever. Luke Fox actually mentioned Did Labushkin. He? Well, good on him. Yeah, yeah. Good on him because I have not heard that name. I didn't he see it on any on a uh, trade list. But then again, he's in Arizona. What the hell do we know about Arizona no, other than empty seats? So I got Bill Armstrong coming on. He'll tell us about him. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, 27, 62, 200 plus. Here it is for me as well, is that if if the Nick Ritchie contract is not a factor, mm-hmm. what does Arizona get for Labushkin? A fourth rounder, a fifth, fifth? Well, that's that's the great question. Not a third. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, not a third. They couldn't get a. I third I know you for and him. I look at this trade differently. So you you think it's it's a lot to give up, right, for the mistake that Kyle made? I I, I don't think that, it's that cheap. Pick. Yeah. I don't think it's cheap, but nobody really talks about that because it's a 2025. That's not a year. 2025 doesn't exist. That's a, right? that's a myth. Four drafts. That's a myth. Four drafts. So, <laughs> so everybody thinks it's it's great now. It's like the Leons, man. No, don't pay a cent yeah, for yeah. like five years. And that time's never going to come. He's, time's he's not. He's a Leon real. trade. Uh, <laughs> don't but, pay a cent. Come and sit on our couch. But, Stuff popcorn in it, stain <laughs> it. You don't have to pay for like five years. Uh, <laughs> and then they come knocking. And then they someday. come knocking. Two big guys, six five, come by. Remember the couch? <laughs> yeah. You, you remember the couch? Oh, you don't remember the couch? You know yeah, why? You know why Arizona? Broken legs. You know why Arizona is the perfect trade partner here? Because they don't want to win soon. You mentioned this the other day, which I thought was a perfect thing. What if Arizona got good? What are they going to do? Have the Stanley Cup final in ASU's 4,000-seat rink? The NHL would never allow that. So that's why they're like, yeah, yeah, 2025. Yeah, we'll look at a pick then, sure. You know, so they're a rare trade partner that legitimately cannot be good for a while. So you're able to do this. Maybe it's a third two drafts from now, whatever it is. To me, if you made the trade Nick Ritchie for Ryan uh, Zingle, you'd say, great. Awesome. That money is gone. Zingle, maybe you can put him in the minors. He doesn't go fine. The money's gone. And then you took it Labushkin and said, we give you a third two drafts from now or a second in year 3000, your call. Um, I think you take that for Labushkin I, for, for, for the chance. So I, I think it's great. They get off the money and they get a chance to have another right shot, big 27-year-old guy who, who defends and kills penalties. I think there's a, a faction of Leafs Nation, like fans that I've been talking to that are maybe more on the left side of, you know, left-leaning, more on the, the Kyle Dubas fandom side of it, that are really painting this as a huge win, victory yeah. trade. E- easy on that, Sam. And I And I agree. Easy I agree. on the huge part. <laughs> I Like, we're, people we're... are calling it a steal. Like, I saw people no. say, and listen, I don't agree with that. But I do think that this is a pretty good job of cleaning up your rather large mess of signing Nick Ritchie in the offseason to a two-year, $5 million deal, which turns out to be a horrible contract. But be able, being able to get out from underneath that, get a need. We talk, How long have we been talking about the Leafs needing a butcher on the back end there? They need a guy that shoots right and plays hard and sh- blocks shots, kills penalties. He can't fills skate. the need. Can't, can't skate. Hey, listen. <laughs> he's, he's, Bogo- he's Russian Bogosian. Bogosian? Like, he's Bogosian. <laughs> I just, I really think that it's a good job of... He's a five six Correct. all day long. Well, yes. he's going to be played as a the four. The only Kipper. way, no, I don't. Sorry, think so. they're going to play him as a four beside Muzzin. I bet you anything they they try him there first. Yeah, you know what though, they should be very careful because their history of putting guys in number one slots, i.e. Thornton, i.e. Richie, and working backwards, good point. has really, not good point. really really worked out well for them. Mm. Go opposite. I totally Stick agree. Them on the, You're making a great the third po- uh, pair, and if there's upside, you slide them in. The only way this trade is really going to have an impact on the Toronto Maple Leafs is if somehow he can go in there and, and take Hall's job. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, it's a good depth move, but that's where the issue is right now still on that blue line. Yeah. Is Muzzin slash Hall... 
Hall slash top four. Yeah, that didn't, it didn't fix that issue. Well, I, you know, know. the way I think they look at it. Maybe he comes in and and he, he, he overplays. Maybe he's better than we thought. Well, he's been playing first pair of minutes with Jacob Chikrin all year in Arizona. I know, I know, I know. It's not been pretty. No, no no chemistry. No no chemistry between those two. No. And defensively. Sounds like Labushkin is like an off the glass and out kind of guy, right? I mean. uh, He'll compete. He'll take a hit. He'll make a hit. It adds depth. Mm. He's a good seat filler on that blue line. Well, they probably need one or two more of those guys, to be quite honest Like, with I you. think they're going to look at the Hall situation and see, like, can he get it together here? Because, God, it's such value at $2 million if he can. If he can't, I think they're hoping that Labushkin can step up and be that guy. Like, they had two maybe guys for that spot, and they're kind of hoping one of them can fill it. You know, but you heard, you know, Elliot's commented on this, that they're likely still looking for someone. And I was saying this on the morning show today. You're allowed to have an extra right shot demon that can play. Like, much like you're allowed to have an extra left shot demon that can play. So if one of these guys ends up in the postseason, they get another guy and you go, all right, well, Hall or eight. Labushkin, who's going in? Yeah. Eight, eight or nine You're going to need eight. If, if you're planning on winning the cup and not just winning around. Eight minimum. Yeah. Nine. So you love this addition depth, but it doesn't solve the so, problem of, of the second pair. Here's what would concern me a little bit, uh, bringing a guy like this into the Toronto Maple Leafs into this season that they have. Everybody's been clamoring for a defenseman, for them to address the defenseman, and everybody gets super excited about transactions, and everybody has expectations, and I think the expectations of him have been pretty much batted down in terms of him being like, like a butchery kind of guy that just defense first type of person. Square it off, pass it out. But that's not always how things go here. And playing in Arizona in front of no one for a horrible team that has no expectations and it doesn't matter is a much, I don't really need to break this to you. It's a much different situation than playing in one of the most potentially important seasons in the franchise history of one of the biggest franchises in the league. Well, and think of how Jake Muzzin is utilized by the Leafs. Like, Peak Muzzin is going to go up against Jonathan Huberto and, and you know, his yes. line. He's going to go up against Crosby's line. He's going to go up against whoever. So if you are going to put a, a guy beside Muzzin, are you really going to roll out Ilya Labushkin in, you know, 20 minutes a night against primo competition. Like, I know he's been playing it with Chikrin, but boy. I just have, I just, what I'm saying is, just go easy here. Like, yeah. don't, because it's a big, it's a big transaction. Everyone gets excited about that. Like I said, Nick Ritchie, going the other way. You get off that money. Like, it's a, it's kind of an exciting one in a little bit of way. We haven't had a big trade. Everybody's kind of excited. Big savior Kipper, on the back Kipper's end. Kipper's not excited. I know, <laughs> I, I know. I, but I, I'm talking from a fan's perspective. People yeah. love trades. People yeah. love a new toy. Well, it's, and it's, it's you hope. just want to be careful. It's just exactly. new hope. Exactly. Which is fantastic for everybody. Yeah. I get all of that. Okay, and I don't claim to know this guy's game well enough. No. No, neither do I. But the only way that there's real upside, and this is a home run for Kyle Dubas and your Toronto Maple Leaf fans, Sammy, is if somehow he can slide into that 4-5 slot. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect situation. The problem is there's no such thing as a 4.5 on the depth chart. You're either on the second pair or the third pair, and you like him on the third pair, and you're less sure on the second pair. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, for one of the final times on the Real Kipper and Born show, let's put a, a bow on a Nick Ritchie conversation. This is actually also the Rich 100th great. conversation. Um, <laughs> this is, our, is it our 100th? Yeah. Nick Ritchie it's our 95th show, 100th conversation. <laughs> Let's start with Kyle Dubas putting a bow on the tenure of Nick Ritchie as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Yeah, I think everybody wished it, it, it when, you know, when we signed him in the summer, I think probably everybody, David, wished that it was it was going to play out differently than it than it had. I think when, when we uh, met last time here, when I when I met with uh, with you all last time, you know, it's it just so interesting how it all goes. You know, he had a lot of chances early in the year. They don't go in. You know, the impact of that on confidence and chemistry is massive. And then Michael Bunting steps up and, and Kerr finds good chemistry with uh, with John. And it just doesn't doesn't really, you know, play out well for Nick, right? And, um, you know, that's the way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't. Hold on, boys. <laughs> oh, uh, that did, is did a, you get that refre- reference? That's a Trailer Park Boys reference. What do you mean? That's a Trailer Park Boys reference, the way she goes. Um, I put together a little clip. Um, I can't believe that Kyle Dubas would do this in a press conference about a trade. But he re- here, 
Play the clip for me. That's the way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't. The way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> she didn't go. That's the way she goes. Sammy, great pickup. <laughs> he just stone-faced slipped that in. That's the way she, sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't. That, honestly, Kyle Dubas went up four points that's in my book. That's a nice with catch. That. I, I absolutely love that. That's the way she goes. Okay. I, that's I, the way she goes. I only think of two things. That Kyle is absolutely... Uh, Confident, or he's losing his marbles, one of the two. <laughs> Starting to quote tra Trailer Park Boys. Ah, boy, I'm leaning crazy. That's great, though. I, I mean, I, so the whole quote, though, since the beginning, the way they've talked about Nick, Nick Ritchie has made me a little mental. Like, ah, you know, Rich had a, a lot of chances that didn't go in the beginning. It's like, ah, like we're, we're going to pretend he was unlucky. Rich yeah, is great. It's uh... <laughs> like... We watched the games. He didn't come here and get unlucky. I know he didn't. Played 20 sometimes. No. Nah. He wasn't no, good no, enough. No. They, he didn't they, play they, well enough. We know that he's made moves. He's played money ball with undervalued guys. Yes. And he's come out on top. He missed one. That's fine. He missed he one. Miss one. Uh, Let's just wear the percentages. It. He's, the percentages are way in his favor. Yeah, if you're hitting 750, here's poof, love yeah, it. Here, here's the the issue that I have is that we can talk about Nick Ritchie not getting the job done and wasn't there. But Nick Ritchie was brought in for a very, very important need mm -hmm. that in my estimation is still now unmet. Unmet. And and there's still a void. Horses. <laughs> right? <laughs> And he was a horse. And even though he he failed his opportunity on on filling that void or that need, it's still empty. And that's a concern for me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'd rather, even though he wasn't effective, there's still a sense when you line up against a guy like Nick Ritchie, it's like, don't wake him up. Yeah, he, they, he, he, they're, don't they're, worry, he, they didn't. They're, they're no, he still got he's still a presence. Snoozing, don't yeah. I, I'm telling you, Justin, there's still a presence when he dressed. Big, heavy guy, can come in. He could hurt you. On any, on any play, he can hurt you. Yes, maybe, maybe, in, in maybe, theory. maybe the opposition was comfortable enough to saying, "No, nah, no, nah, he won't. He won't show up, and I uh, just will go through the motions." And we just saw. So that's that. what I wanted but from him. Give me one or two games but, where you make him think. But they don't have that guy, right? And I'm watching again Saturday night. Would have been nice to have a little bit of a pushback against the St. Louis Blues, and I saw Saturday night, guys, a team that is built. For the playoffs. And I and saw another team that is trying to get there. Here's my question. Can you solve what you're talking about with a single ad? Like, I believe that the definition of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs is their core guys. They define what, what the Leafs are, right? I don't think you can go out and tape one guy onto the roster who's tough and heavy or whatever and be like, fixed it. Like the Leafs? No, but it'll help. It would help. I just, you know, we tried this last year with Felino, yeah. which I know Felino didn't work out because he was hurt a lot. Yes. I, I just, you know, it doesn't seem to me like they're going to be able to fix what you're talking about. I just look at their roster and their cap space, and maybe that's the reality, Kipper. Maybe they can't. Maybe they can't fix I, I, it, I, but. I don't disagree with you that there isn't anyone out there that can play like what you would have hoped out of Nick Ritchie. There's not another Lucic out there. Josh Anderson, is he available they're without right, yeah. paying a huge price? But they're hard to find. Sure. Yeah, that's and, the, and it that's is. That's the disappointing part. And you're going to try to outgun your opponents four times to win a Stanley Cup. It's going to be high-octane offense and the power play. But I saw a very stingy St. Louis Blues team that didn't really give too many opportunities away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the, for me, it's like the Leafs still create a ton and they can defend better than they did. You know, is it is, is what we saw indicative of something, of a bigger problem, or was it just a game where they got beat? No. No, no. no. I, I look at St. Louis the way I look at, uh, how many games have they played now? 40 plus? 48. 48. I, uh, there's only two games that stand out for me that are 
truly like playoff uh, tests, Carolina mm. and St. Louis. Those and you didn't like their uh, uh, their answers. I neither. just I I look I looked at St. Louis on Saturday night and they've got O'Reilly. They got Shen and Thomas. They were they 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 were good up the middle, and I saw Tavares and Austin Matthews, and I thought Tavares had an off game, and they they just couldn't compete. Matthews, as great as Matthews is, not enough. Not you, enough you on need, his own. You need you need Tavares and, and Kemp. You need those three guys going up against O'Reilly, Thomas, and Shen, and they did not match up well Saturday night. You know what, though? What changes St. Louis for me? Like, I don't look at this Blues team the way I look at the Blues team, the one, the Cups, that were just, you know, that fourth line that was banging everything that moved out there. Like, I look at this Blues team, and I'm like, God, they're good because, obviously, Tarasenko's very good, but Thomas is so good and, and dynamic, and Kairou is good and dynamic, and they create rush chances. Like, they really do move the puck up and down the rink. Um, you know, guys like Krug and Pareko and Falk, they all break the puck out pretty well. Uh, that's that, that, to me... I don't know. I, I thought they got beat by a pretty good Blues team. I will say that the Sheldon Keefe after the game seemed, Sam, you said his like presser was like he is perturbed. He, he wanted to go. He was unhappy with how that game was played he, by his team. Like he came out quicker than he ever does. He's probably about ten or fifteen minutes earlier than he usually does. Came out, said, talked for two minutes, didn't really say anything. Which means, knowing him, is that he's looking just to get right back to his computer and he's yeah. mad at what happened. Yeah. So because there's worry there. I I did. Real, like I know the Leafs came back in that game a couple times, but I really felt like the Blues were in control. They, of the they game were chasing the whole, the whole game. Me too. Yeah, that's 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 exactly how I felt. And you, you mentioned O'Reilly there. It's a pleasure to watch him. I like getting to go to the games is so great. You just you just have a different appreciation. Except the crowd how, stunk though, huh? Oh my God, it was awful. Can we get that thing full? Like, what are we waiting for here? Let's just get it full. It's, so they're they're allowed fifty percent, but I was at the game Saturday night. Yeah, uh, and. I don't think that there was 6,000, 7,000 people in the building. What did they announce, Kip? I don't even remember. I, I, I it think was like 8,600 yeah, or something it, like that. Just under 9,000 they yeah. announced. Yeah, no way. But I think I think the majority of the, t the tickets available outside of their commitments to season ticket holders uh, went unsold. I, I, would, I think they're still expensive, guys. Well, coming out of a... Yeah. Or trying to come out of a pandemic, I think people with... Uh, Extra money isn't quite out there as much as uh, I don't know what it was, but it didn't have the vibe of that Pittsburgh game on on the Thursday night. They said it. it they really said it was energy. more people at the Blues game than there was on the Thursday game, which I find very hard to believe. But yeah. that's what they that's what they announced. Maybe a couple more people up in the up in the suit dummy boxes with Kipper there. A few so more people up there, there. Were, <laughs> there were two things that concerned uh, both you guys from that game. Uh, crowd aside, uh, Tavares and Lilligren. Right? Yeah. Is there one of those you'd prefer to address first? Well, I think Tavares, for me, yeah. there there is there should be a little bit of concern. I'm not sure if you're up to worry. And offensively, we know he's been this scoring machine, point-of-game guy his whole career. The thing that I'm noticing now more and more, especially with the offense kind of drying up, is he's, he's average in his own zone. Yeah, I mean, he's never been... That's never been his forte, right? But if you're They're not, barely using him there, Kipper. They start not, in the ozone all the time it, now. I know, but if you're not scoring, then it puts a ton of pressure on Matthews. Mm -hmm. And I think they have, I think they have, they continue to have trouble in their own zone. And mm -hmm. Nylander, we know he got the goals, but outside of that, what did you think of his game? Outside of the finishing. Yeah, no, not nothing spectacular. You know, th this so line. The, the line's struggling. Yeah, well, the line over like 300 minutes together or whatever this year is barely over 50% in terms of controlling play, like shot shot attempt share. Um, so they're they're not dominating by any stretch. They get a lot of ozone starts. You know, Tavares now, eight-game uh, goalless drought. Well, I think he has like six points, six assists, I guess, and only has one shot in his last three games. You know, I'm okay with Tavares being a point-per-game guy, and I'm okay with being like the expectation is not to be a world beater, but he's got to be able to be the centerman on a line that outplays the other team's second-best line. You know what I'm not okay with? What's that? $11 million a year and six forwards playing more minutes than him Saturday night. Is that right? Well, I mean, that's probably more a comment on his play than his coach's decision-making, right? So what is it? What is it that... Uh... 
Is it just strictly the offense? Or is it... Are you big picture concerned or thinking he's just playing bad right now? No, I don't... I, I'm not. I'm not even sure the word "bad" is is fair to him. You're right. He's just not. It's just not. He's not exceptional, effective. better, dynamic. Not, the standards are high for when you make eleven. That's mil. right. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I think that there's the thing that as you get older, everyone looks at every bad stretch you have and go, "Well, oh no, it's over." Like, oh, they've got Tavares and it's over. It's possible that he's got a stretch here where it's just not going awesome. You know, but I will say on you know the old concern which they do in the morning show there's there's some now for me that he's is he going to find it again is muzzin going to find it again these are guys that they rely on as tent pole guys that like i know they're winning at a 700 winning percentage i know but we need to identify the areas where it's slipping you know that's what you're looking at as a coach as an evaluator as an analyst and these are areas right now that are growing concerning super leaf fan sammy on a scale of one to ten where's your concern it's a great question. I I feel like I'm don't want to get too concerned because I feel like we've had stretches like this with Tavares in the past couple of years where like Borny just alluded to there saying, Oh, is this it? Is it is it slowing down? Is this the end? Are we worrying about this contract? This and that. I feel like that conversation is one that's been pretty popular over the past couple of years when he has a slow stretch because of the contract. But I I, watched, I was just at the last two games for the Leafs on Thursday against the Penguins and Saturday against the Blues. And I got to tell you, I, did, I, I just really didn't notice him a whole lot. You know, It's not like he's a disaster right. in his own zone. He's not like he's just, he's bad. But I know he only played, like you said, he only played 15 minutes on Saturday night. So maybe that's one of the reasons I didn't notice him. But I just didn't really Im- see him impacting the game one way or another. And I understand that measuring him against Matthews, it's tough because Matthews goes out there every shift and just does unbelievable stuff that, like, no Leaf fans ever seen a guy wearing blue He's and white. He's a potential do. heart trophy. Yes. Game. So you're measuring him against that, which I understand is tough for Tavares. But I'm just really not seeing the impact that he usually has on a game for the last little stretch. Is that fair? Yeah, he's certainly capable of more. And not to beat a, a dead horse back to Nick Ritchie, but that's that's the trickle effect of Richie not nailing down the job. Well, they thought they had that a left spot. winger there. That yeah. spot. It's, yeah. it's, it's now the ripple effect that it's had throughout your lineup. And who's who's his left winger in the well, playoffs? Well, is it going to be Ilya Mikheyev? Is he going to get some run alongside Willie and Tavares at some point? You going in the first round with Kerfoot or Mikhailov for for Tavares? And who are you comfortable with? But Kerfoot was pretty good in the playoffs last year once Tavares went down. Like, he did step mm-hmm. up, and he played a little bit more of a... Like, he can play a bit more of a greasy game, but he's just not that big. He's not that big. He's not that strong, and he's not a legitimate top six guy. Kerfoot in the perfect world has to be in the third slot. That's the issue. And McKay, no, we can we, make the same argument. Yeah, we talked about, uh, you know... A, Labushkin being a four and a half and Brooks being a lineup and a half, you know, yeah. kind of guy. I think you do have some guys who, you know, Kerfoot's, you know, kind of maybe a second liner. I don't mind him as a second liner myself, but, you know, McKayev's more of a third liner to me. But this is the philosophy that you run with when you play four of your forwards. Forty million dollars. Yes. This is this is the breaks. This is how you have to you deal with that. You need all four to be extremely, extremely good. You need which those is four why guys. We're talking you in the you first need place. those four guys to be the, your centerpiece, the guys that carry your team, and then you need to have the value guys that you dig up, like they did with Bunting, who's been unbelievable on the first night, first line. Uh, been great. Listen, he's he's producing. It's great. Yes. But do I want to go in the first round against potentially the Florida Panthers? With Bunting and Kerfoot, I think he's selling yes. me the answers. Yes, yes, for for the for the top line with Bunting. Yeah, yes. I, I think there's a potential for those guys to get eaten up. Yeah, chewed out. Yeah, and spit. I don't think I, I really don't worry. I I know last all year they right. got shut down. I really don't worry about the top line oh boy. at all. But from yeah. that from down from there on out, I do worry a little bit. That's for sure. Heavy hockey. I saw heavy hockey out of St. Louis, and I looked at their blue line and boys. Pareko is a horse. He is. Can I give you the uh, the wingers for the Florida Panthers? I mean, they are strong guys, right? It's Verhage, Duclair, Huberdo, Hornqvist, Marchment, Reinhardt. You know, those are all solid, In your solid guys. 
They can get in your face. Barkov, Bennett, Lundell down the middle is not too shabby either. I mean, Florida's no joke. They're probably the front runner at this point. I mean, you're getting there with Tampa Bay and Colorado. So, I mean, you're comparing yourself to a high standard. I, I hate that it sounds like we're, we're taking shots at this roster because it's obviously good. We know that. But the, the expectations are so high. They, they, they're, there's holes. But oh, can everywhere. they overcome the holes with an MVP season out of Austin Matthews, uh, a stretch out of Mitch Marner where he's playing the best hockey of his career? And Jack Campbell would be better than the other guy. Which Billy Huso looked right, can, unbelievable. Billy Huso's like Vesna good this year. Yeah. I don't know if he'll play enough games to get in that conversation. Can, can that lineup and that firepower and Morgan Riley at the top of his game overcome those deficiencies in the lineup? You know what I like about this Tavares Nylander line, whether it's Kerfoot or Mikheyev, is that the ceiling, when they play well, we know they're awesome, right? Like the best Tavares and Nylander can play is a very high ceiling compared to a lot of second lines. In the playoffs, if they can win you a series, like one, you got to win four rounds. Like Marner and Matthews are going to be expected to outplay other teams' top lines in multiple series. That's the reality. But can you have those guys be the best line for a series and win you one? Can you have them be the best line for two? You know, that has to happen. Because if you look at how Tampa Bay, you know, gets through, there's a couple series where, oh, look, Yanni Gord's line's the best line. You know, him, Coleman, and Gaudreau. Whatever the answer is, it, you always have series where you, where you get help deeper down the lineup. Can they do that? Yes, because their ceiling is so high. It's a matter of timing if you get it at the right time. Mm. It can happen. So against Pittsburgh, I remember you sending me a message saying, yeah, Jack Campbell, uh, you, you can tweet if you want that uh, Jack Campbell's like, <laughs> Better than my four point five million that I, <laughs> I offered him a week ago, and I sent you a note saying, "Way too much hockey. Yeah. I won't do that because we're gonna bounce maybe back and forth a little bit on on what Jack is in Value the second wise. half. In the second half, and a lot more of a roller coaster for him emotionally, and the numbers will support that than yeah. it was in the first thirty five games. And again. Didn't Not his look, best. Didn't didn't look fabulous like we've been accustomed to seeing Saturday night, and that's just that's something he's going to have to work on, and that's something that the the team in front of him is going to have to work on here. Mm-hmm. The, the conversation with Jack Campbell is the one that we're having right now. Is basically it's up and down, and at the start of the year it was good, up. good, 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 good. Every night was good. He didn't have any bad starts. He there was a lot of nights where he was the least best player, carried them through a lot of games. And now we're having the conversations where it's like, oh, well, it's a good one after a bad one or a bad one after a good one. The the level has certainly dropped, and I think it's their biggest hope because they're obviously making the playoffs. I don't know if they're catching the Cats. I don't know if they're going to pass Tampa. Like, they're just Florida's such, eight points I out. know. They're just so good. So I just I think that their biggest focus is to get Jack Campbell back to some semblance of what he was doing. I don't think he's going to get back to that level that he was playing at the start of the year, but get him back to close to that. With with some rest, playing him again, maybe playing him against some some different competition, for example. I don't know. Mrazek's getting Habs tonight. Yeah, and then you go back to back with with Columbus, who's not necessarily great either. And then they have you have the wings on Saturday night. There's spots to maybe give him a little easier starts here and there to maybe get some 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 confidence back up. But yeah, I think uh, honestly, boys, if this season gets sewered by bad goaltending, I'm going to turn into the Joker. <laughs> we're we're going to have uh, Bill Armstrong, uh, Arizona Coyotes general manager, uh, after the break, but. I just want to make one more note, and maybe not just more, not just Jack Campbell, but the whole goaltending scenario in the National Hockey League in a big picture. Mm-hmm. Jack Jack might be isn't any different than I'd probably say eighty percent of the teams out there right now. There seems to be a real issue with the goaltending. Can you ever recall a season when we've questioned so many deep teams in net? And we just watched it with the St. Louis Blues. Huso has taken over for Bennington. They're, yeah. they're going to give him a break. They're going to want him to work on his game. And they, they want him to come back in March and test himself again. But Bennington's not chasing out that kid. We, we hardly know anything Huso's about him. And he looked fantastic. Yeah. In 19 games played, he's got a 936 save percentage, second best in the league to Shesterkin. He also, don't forget, was the guy in St. Louis pre-Bennington. He was the guy they targeted, and, and all right, he's going to be our next starter. He gets hurt. Bennington goes on a run, wins the Stanley Cup. They give him the deal, and Huso's like, uh, I'm still awesome. It's 
it's easier to ask the question on which team, which contending teams don't need help in net and which ones do. Outside of Boston going swimming, outside of Tampa Bay, like name me a team, boys. Yeah, Freddie Anderson, name Colorado. There, there's not Jacob a question Marston, mark. Calgary. Florida. We don't know about Brabovsky. Never done it before. I know. Folds. I know. I don't trust him as there far as go. I can throw him. Okay, so we got Tampa Bay. We know they've. He's went into the season Pittsburgh as the best even. goalie in the world. Pittsburgh doesn't know about Drari in the playoffs. Toronto, Carolina, Jari. Couldn't catch a puck last year at the end of the season. Hope he catches Washington. Washington might actually go get another goalie. That's how much they don't trust their situation. Colorado. Vegas with Leonard now with a bad shoulder. Like in conclusion, no one's good. No one's good. (laughs) If we don't So Leaf fans. it, the point is goaltending scary is the real point. Really scary. Yeah. And Jack is really no different than a lot of these great teams that still have question marks. Yeah. That's that's the only point I want to make. Okay. Let's take a break. Mm-hmm. Fast 40 minutes here. Boom. Bill Armstrong after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We heard from Kyle Dubas addressing the media on his weekend trade. Now let's bring in Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, the other half of the trade uh, to talk about uh, what that means to his organization and maybe what Leaf fans can expect out of uh, Labushkin. Uh, first of all, Bill, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, just the whole deal. How quickly did it come about? We we know we know what the marketplace is for for depth defensemen. It's it's really high. How long did it take you to weigh in the Leafs offer or other options before you ultimately pulled the trigger on this? Well, we, we felt it was, uh, you know, a fair. We looked at it, you know, when you do these deals, you kind of look at it through the leaf size too. And you, is it a fair deal? Does it work for them? And, and when we came to the conclusion that it kind of worked for both sides, we kind of tried to push forward and see if we could, if we could get a deal done and, uh, and we were able to, and uh, you know, it's, it's a good trade. Uh, for the Leafs on their side, just with Labushkin, he's um, he's he's a solid defenseman. He, he comes to play every single night. He plays with a little bit of bang. Um, he's a pretty consistent with his effort. Like he'll he'll give you everything he has, and not only that, but just a great person and a great teammate. So he was a loss for us, but um, you know we're we're in the business of trying to create assets, and uh, you know, and that's uh, that's that's part of where we're at right now. Bill, so that is something you guys have done a, a great job at so far. Uh, you find yourself with 32 picks over the next three drafts, according to to my calculations here. That's <laughs> uh, pretty wild. Like, how <laughs> how do you go about uh, picking all these players? What is the plan for the next few years in the Arizona Coyotes here? Well, you 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 have to remember when we're when I took over, there's a lot of things that are kind of out of your control and one of the things is we didn't have any picks at the time you know right. the league had punished the club for some cheating prior to me coming in and uh, we had to find ways to generate picks and and uh, so we came up with a few different ideas and and we were very fortunate in the sense that you know it was a flat cap just you're in the area the flat cap and people have to get rid of money and uh, we were at the point where the contracts lined up and we were able to kind of take on uh, some players uh, with some, you know, some some high cap and uh, and get rewarded for doing that, and that's that's helped us kind of where we are today, and we're going to continue to do that uh, and push forward. It, um, it it really helps us when we when we get to the, the the draft table and allow us to rebuild our organization. Talk about banking currency, uh, <laughs> two thousand and twenty five a second round pick. What comes first, that pick or a twenty thousand seat stadium? <laughs> well, I hope the 20,000 seat stadium, we've, we've, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's been an ongoing saga before I, before I arrived and, uh, you know, our ownership has battled to, to keep the coyotes, uh, in Arizona and they've, they've shown the commitment to, it's not the perfect situation. Um, but I, I know selfishly I'm, I'm looking forward to the kind of the unique setting that we have and, 
and trying to put together a competitive team that's going to be physical and, uh, you know, entertain our fans. And uh, it's a unique uh, situation when you're down in Arizona because when you play um, particular teams, you know, uh, you know, L.A. or even Toronto, there might be 10,000 fans um, in your building from the other team, and it creates a, a good atmosphere um, and, and, you know, obviously with the small arena, the demand for tickets in c- certain games will be high and it's, it's going to create some intensity in the building. And, you know, I think as an organization, we're, we're looking forward to that. Um, it's not the perfect situation, um, but you've got to embrace some of your weakness and make it your strength. So uh, we will do that. What does the process look like of keeping players um motivated and the culture good when it feels like they know you're going through a rebuild obviously this is part of the process and heading back the other direction how do you keep that team you know engaged knowing that the goal isn't maybe to win a stanley cup right away it's a a great question it's something that our coaches uh, have to deal with uh, every day I, i know when i was moving some players in the summer our coaches you know hit a depression point at you know, the time I was done after the summer was over and, uh, you know, we had to come to, you know, an understanding about us as an organization. And one of the things that we we constantly talk about is is, is the process. How do we make the process better? We, we want to be a championship organization um, in the future. And, and every day that we have right now, how do we make the most of it and perfect our process, whether it's practice whether it's our sports science and how we test people's for gut health and what they can absorb, or is it our skill guys or our skating guys and our development of our minors? We're, we pretty much meet constantly about it, trying to perfect the, the process, the day, um, the players that we have and to keep them motivated. We have a lot of players that are trying to extend their career. So they're coming to the rink with some fight. If you look at our team or you ask any pro scout, mm-hmm. ask them to describe Arizona, they're going to say the same thing all the time. They freaking compete. From the start of the game to the end of the game, they compete hard. And if you're not, if you don't come to compete, you're going to lose. So we're, we're not a perfect team, and uh, uh, we certainly are, you know, are not set up to, to be a Stanley Cup contender. But if you, if you play us, uh, you're going to see we come to battle and we come to work. We're speaking to Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Army, I was, I've been accused over my broadcasting career to kind of <laughs> over, overplay the player side on a couple of occasions. No. <laughs> so I, I will bring this of up. Of course you do. Yeah, of course. I will bring this up with you. I'm yeah. absolutely hating what's happening to the players with the waiver wire. They are getting bounced yeah. around like a pinball yeah. And we, yeah. the, the latest is Dezingle, who you guys worked out uh, getting traded to the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs. Were you under the impression he would never clear waivers and that, you know, even though you're trading him Toronto and, and him needing to clear waivers, he, that wouldn't see the light of day and he'd be moving on? Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting with the waivers, this, you know, especially this year. It's, it's just like some guys that you, you know, you don't think will go, go, and you know, and, and it's just, it's, a, it's a year that, you know, it's because of, you know, earlier on there was COVID all the time. People were picking up waiver guys, like it was just crazy what they were mm-hmm. trying to, you know, everybody was just trying to stay, you know, as a competitive team, and it was hard to do at times because of COVID. Now that's kind of seemed to have whittled its way down, so. Hopefully you'll you'll see the waiver uh, wire kind of slow down a little bit, but the uh, the the players right now it's you know some of those guys can can be on three to four teams per year, and I was happy to see Ryan Zingle picked up. Um, he's a good player. Uh, he was tough for us to kind of package in the deal, uh, but he's got a new home in San Jose, and in this particular case, I believe the waiver wire worked for the player because he he got to an NHL team where he's going to play. Yeah, it seems like a good situation for him. Um, you know, because of the salary cap being flat right now, um, we're seeing NHL teams all jammed up against it and everyone's trying to you know, wiggle around. And that means calling teams that have cap space and trying to unload their problems. Are you fielding a yep. lot of calls from teams and just going, no, 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 I don't want your bad players and bad contracts. Like, what, what's it like <laughs> having cap space in the NHL these days? Oh, <laughs> It's a good thing, and and you know it's it's about time the uh, the sun has shined on the Coyotes and, and given us a way to 
uh, generate assets. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, it's it's been a strength in, in our dealings is that we have cap space and we, we can take on, you know, sometimes those are they're players that didn't get a chance or it just went bad for them. And we're obviously trying to resurrect their career, their projects for us. They come down here and, and sometimes they, you know, they really embrace uh, coming to us because their role they go from being bounced out of it to being one of our top dogs and and you know and and being put in a situation where they can achieve so um there's some goodness in that and and a lot of times they get excited and for us we we get some players like andrew ladd you know the strawmans of the world and uh, the louis erickson's and you know if you think about our locker room you know we've got guys that won championships and and they have really really helped us turn our culture around um and embrace the coyotes and embrace what we're dealing with um, so if you went to our practice and you'd, you'd see us where we are in the standings and you'd see these guys out there, I mean, they're, they're the pros pros, you know, they're on early, they're working with the young kids. It's, it's a really good environment in that aspect because we have so many guys that have been captains and leaders and champions from other teams. So it's worked out for us uh, in a good way. I mean, we know that Nick Ritchie struggled here with the consistency or at yep. least finding his game. What is it uh, that still is an attractive piece for you uh, have you talked to him enough to say, hey, listen, don't worry about being sent down. You're up here the rest of the season. Don't worry. Just go out there and play your game. What kind of conversations have you had with him? Yeah, you know, we, we had talked in the summer. We had some interest in signing Nick, and he had chose to go with Toronto. And uh, uh, we called him back afterwards and said, you know, good luck. And, you know, you never know. Maybe we'll run into each other again. I didn't know it was going to be that quick. Um, but I think that's one of our coach's strengths, uh, Andre Tournay. He's he's done a great job with bringing Clay Keller's game back. He's he's done an unbelievable job of bringing Smolsey's game uh, to to a new level and Gossa Spears. I think that's the strength of Andre Tournay. Um, he is the new wave of NHL coaches, where he is very very demanding. Uh, but if you watch uh, off the ice with the players, how he interacts and you know him always joking with them, it's uh, he forms a great relationship with those players, and he seems at this point to squeeze the most out of them. So that's one of the reasons we brought him in, is we thought he's a, a new wave NHL coach, and his communication is a strength. Even though half the time he speaks for for English, which is half French, half English, um, and he. Uh, entertains the players a lot but uh, he is certainly someone that has been very effective for us in, in getting the most out of our guys that's great and and how active do you think you guys will be the rest of the way here in terms of trades um, we're going to be very yeah i mean we're, we're going to be uh, very active obviously there's uh, you know we're we're going to be involved in it there, there's some pieces for us that uh, would help other teams and you know now now it's on because of you know as soon as you know there's a few guys move now now it starts to go pretty quick so um, it should be a pretty interesting deadline to see uh, who moves. Um, a lot of the teams are out in the East, so there's a lot of teams that know right away they're going to move uh, their player. So the market's flooded a little bit, but that's, that's part of it. Army, as, as far as the timing is concerned with this trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs, was it important to do it now? Is there a danger of waiting too long and maybe losing the value or at least um, jamming everything at the very end yeah, yeah, for for us, for sure. I, I think it's. Uh, listen, if you look at the trade deadline and how many games are left after it, there's not a lot of time for teams to kind of get their chemistry together. You know, when you think back when I was with the Blues, we we were dead last. You know, uh, from start of the season, pretty much all the way to I think it was the World Juniors, probably around January first. And one of the reasons was it, it took our guys, you know, because we had added the Ryan O'Reilly's of the world and some other players, and it took them a while to find where they fit in the dressing room, where they fit on the ice, and, and how they, you know, reacted to the coaches and, and dealt with the new teammates. And so it's, it's, it, it takes some time to do that. And I, I think I think when you see, you know, if you can pull the trigger a little bit early, I think it helps out in the, the way the player fits in. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time, Army. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. I'm, I'm sure you'll be very active, and it won't be long before we're talking uh, about a potential uh, <laughs> new trade. Uh, I, I imagine you and Kyle keep the conversations open. Yeah, we keep the chat, the group chat open at all times. So <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see how it moves here down the stretch. But thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Bill Armstrong, General Manager of the Arizona Coyotes. Thanks again. Thanks, man. So... <sighs> How many more pieces does Kyle have to play off of his roster? Does he dangle uh, a prospect? 
Nick Robertson is starting to come back in the the mix a little bit. We're hearing mm-hmm. his name a little bit more. What was unheard of a year and a half ago is right. now a potential trade chip. Yeah, I mean, guy played at 18 for them in the bubble. I mean, it was he he shoots the puck in the net. It's all he's ever done, right? Done did it in the minor or sorry in the in junior and Okay, Dubas. Okay, well, well no, 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 hey, that's not as much as uh, as Dubas had to say. Well, we have a Dubas clip, don't we? We do, yeah, we oh, do well, on Robertson. Well, we actually and, it, play and it's then. way better than yours. Yeah, yeah. If you're Nick Robertson. All right. To me, so he's he's come back to the Marlies off a long injury, and he's been outstanding. Um, it's probably the best I've seen him play at that level. Um, the you know he's only 20 years old. I think that sometimes that gets forgotten because of the, just a strange way that his development has gone since he's come back. Um, I think it's been six games now. It could be seven. It's the best that I've seen him play at that level. Not only on the puck, but off and on the penalty kill. Much more dangerous with the puck. Skating looks a lot better, which is a credit to him and the work that he put in uh, with the staff during his injury uh, to continue to become more explosive and, and improve his acceleration, be able to get open and use his shot, which I think. As, as everyone has seen in the last couple of days, he's, uh, he's shooting it in the net from distance. And so I'm uh, very, very happy with him. The key, I think, for us is just continuing to get him to build momentum. One of the things I would say that we've learned in the past with him is, you know, last year with the taxi squad, it was up and down, and it, it tends to stunt momentum. So I just see him just continue to build momentum, continue to take on a huge role with the penalty kill and defensively for them while also producing offensively. And um, it'll just be a matter of time before he kind of forces our hand. Oh my God, get him up on Tavares and Nylander right now. He's the best player in the world. I also heard him talking to Roberts, uh, Robertson being like, we need him down there, you know, working, playing consistently. We don't want to yo-yo him. Like, hey, kid, you're going to be down there until we say so. That just, he's, that's a classic trying to build up a guy's value quote. Yes. That's oh, he's exactly. he is, he is so happened. great away from the puck Have you now. guys seen his seven games back? He is amazing away from the puck. And, and you should see it, it doesn't the, resonate with you, right? And the no, reports that you're getting? Not entirely. It's it's not that those comments don't resonate so much as you know, the the actual player Nick Robertson is, as he mentioned, twenty years old and hasn't played a ton of hockey because of injuries and still is learning the pro game. It's not easy. And you know, you, you watch a couple of Marley's games and he has weapons. He can shoot it in the net. That's great. But there's a lot to hockey. I mean, skilled guys, Josh Hosang has been doing this for how long as a guy with NHL talent who hasn't played in the NHL? So I think there is an element of what Sammy's talking about, of like make him feel good, get him confident, also boost his value. Like it only behooves the Leafs to talk about him in this way. I don't know that the play I've seen of him is directly, I don't see what he's talking about myself. I I spoke to an NHL scout. And I asked him about Nick Robertson. Mm-hmm. One dimensional. Can okay. shoot the puck. Yeah. And outside of that, there's lots of things that he needs to to learn about. Yeah. So I, I think that's fairly consistent with what you just said. Yeah. And so for me, if if his timing doesn't line up with where the Leafs are at in their arc, yeah, he's a chip. And maybe if you're someone looking at him, you can go, all right, well, you know, now is not our time. We're the Coyotes. Boy, Robertson in the system would sure look good. Maybe in three years he's awesome when we're moving into our new building. Maybe there's a reason, you know, there's some value there. What do you think, Sammy? Yeah, I think they're going to trade him. And I think the way he's talking about him there, it just really feels like, like I said, he's trying to be, oh, man, you should see the way this guy grills a steak. Perfect medium <laughs> rare every time. And man, can he can he drive a car? Can he? I just I just don't know right now if you're a a, a, a team interested in him. Like, how much are you gonna? Are you giving up a top four D for Nick Robertson right now? Or is he just gonna be one of those guys where it's a, a first and a prospect, and there he is, the prospect, the prospect. I think he is still a legitimate prospect, but yeah, I, I, I and uh, you know what I'm saying, Nick. I, I, I'm not I, sold. If I thought this guy was going to score 50 I've, goals in the NHL or something, I, I might not talk I've about him this been way. Around I don't. A ton of guys who scored 50 goals in junior, and actually had good success in the American Hockey League, and that's where it ends. Yeah, and I think that's that's the danger is that can he. Can he go to the NHL level now? Like, yeah, maybe he can be a top scorer in uh, 
in the American Hockey League, but so is a guy named Mitch Lamoureux. Is that true? Oh, a Hall of Famer in the AHL. Mitch Lammer who? Mitch Lammer <laughs> Um, Yeah, Robertson now seven games played in the American League, three goals, four assists um, for seven points. Seven and seven, pretty good. But- really good. Really good. Just amazing away from the puck, too. Just really, really good. <laughs> the way she goes. Sometimes she goes. Sometimes she goes. Sometimes she goes. I can understand Kyle Dubas at a press conference trying to – Drum up sales, conversation. Yeah. Yep. He's got to get him in the mix. He's got to get teams excited about him if he needs to go down that path. Mm-hmm. If there's if there's an offer he cannot refuse. I if, is it is it Manson? I don't know, but Scott now, Mayfield. Now we're. Uh, I don't see Lou Lamorello giving up Mayfield. I, know. I don't. I know it's a, it's a, I, it's a pipe see, dream, but it's the guy that I, I would see love. Lou absolutely hating to move a guy like Clutterbuck, and Clutterbuck's out there now. Is he? Yes. Huh. And I. Ooh, hold yeah. on. Oh, Have yeah. we not been talking about? Didn't I hear you earlier in this show saying what the Leafs needed? Yeah. Clutterbuck, I would. Clutterbuck's not a guy that you're gonna put on the first two lines, but he can certainly move up and down any of your lines on any team. But going back he, to Mayfield. I will say, watching Islanders this year, he has definitely yeah. been less effective, like significantly less effective. Just going back to Mayfield. Yes. I could see Lou going, I'm hating to sell off a couple pieces, but I'm coming right back at it next year. And that includes Mayfield. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not blessed with a lot on the blue line. And a few people uh, have questioned uh, Devon Taves, being oh, traded trade. to Colorado, and what's that done to Colorado? God, oh, my God. It's taken them to another Taves level. Taves is, like, not that far out of the Norris no, conversation. Taves he's been unbelievable. Unbelievable yeah. in Colorado. And he's not blessed with a ton on the blue line. Right. Uh, Dobson's coming along real nicely. Yeah. But you, you can't move Mayfield. No. I agree. And can you imagine the day where Lou Lamorello trades Kyle Dubas a six foot five tall right hand no, shot on yeah. a cheap deal for little Nick Robertson no, and the AHL? No. Or, you know, like not to demean Nick Robertson. I'm and just saying first. it's not come yeah, it's not what's coming back. And plus the least first is twenty fifth. You know, it's barely a first. Um you know, just talking about to Bill Armstrong there, I thought it was interesting. He mentioned he said uh, a lot of teams in the East know the route, so the market is flooded right now. Which is interesting. You know, um, you know, Montreal apparently has some guys on the market. You know, like there's a pretty good list, Kipper. Mike Hoffman, Jonathan Duran, Christian Dvorak, Jeff Petrie. This is uh, Chris yeah. Johnston had that in his tons, most recent article. Tons like, of money. What do you mean? Well, Petrie, you want to take on six over six next year? No way. I Isn't it not. two more years after yeah. this? Yeah, that's too much. No way. So Josh Anderson, I saw people talking about him as a, like, what? They're getting the most calls in Montreal for Josh Anderson. Well, what? Yeah. But why? Dvorak. Oh. Look how much money he makes six, for how long. Five, yeah, but skate like the wind. Yeah, but I mean. I Put Josh Anderson with Tavares and Nylander, boys. <laughs> the good thing okay. is. Move Kerfoot nah, out. I'm good. You'd rather have Kerfoot than Anderson? No, but the, I live in Are you the, crazy? I live in the real world where he makes like what does he make? Six million dollars? Five five, oh, five I think. Too much. It's too much. Five five. Too much. It's too much. Nah, see, I disagree. I, I would never trade for that contract if we I We do not agree. We, we do, do not, not agree. agree. <laughs> we do not agree. I take Josh Anderson at five five if I can move Kerfoot's three and a half and squeeze in some other trade Justin Hall. Yeah, what's he get paid five five till till you know after the Coyotes second round pick with the with the arena deal? No, it's he'll have get three paid more forever. years. Nah, no, it's too three, much. I think three more years after twenty six, twenty seven. Not horrible. Anyways, uh, yeah, you're right. It is. Uh, it should lower the prices, should it not? A flooded market. Yeah, I mean that's super. Uh, Good news if you're a buyer, which, you know, here in Toronto, I think you are. So uh, it just seems D-man are not included in this flooded market. Kipper, that question was amazing. I, I don't mean to, I don't want to blow too much smoke up your butt, but that question, <laughs> what comes first, the 2025 20, second or an arena? That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> got a pretty good laugh. I will say, Bill, Bill took it all. Yeah, he laughed. I was like, oh, God. Oh, he's Appreciate fine. His time. He, like, he doesn't know that's out he, there, that he, talk's out there. Full, he's good. He was good him. about it. He knows what the Arizona Coyotes are. He knows where they're positioned. He is I'll doing all what, the right things. He's sitting in a great spot right now because he's got nothing but time. Well, mm-hmm. you, he's unfireable. He is doing all of the right things. Look at this, the, the cards he's been dealt. By the way, this draft pick for the Coyotes, they pick in the first round, then they pick in the first round, then they pick in the first round. Five second rounders after that. Yeah. This year? This year. Oh 2022, they have eight God. picks yeah, in the first two the, rounds. It's going to be the Bill Armstrong draft. The Tucson, what's their uh, American League team? Roadrunners? Yeah, they, they have, they're going to be stocked. Um, so we, I don't know if we've ever talked about the 5,000 seat thing too much, but I, I'm kind of interested in going to a, see a hockey game there. Well, the same way you're interested in going to the you didn't go to sideshow yeah. at the circus. No, it'd be like seeing, you Go know, see Mississauga. The, the bearded lady. No, it, it, here's an uh, analogy for you. It'd be like seeing uh, the Rolling Stones at Lee's Palace. No, it would not. It's yeah. the Arizona Coyotes. And no, no, but you're going at all. Like, Did he terrible. just call that's, Arizona that's, that Coyotes the, the Rolling Stones? Comparison I've ever heard in Listen, my life. Listen, hey. you're going to the Leaf fan to go watch Austin Matthews in a cola drink? That's exciting. <laughs> it would be cool. You, yeah, maybe no they should tonight. resign Shane Doan playing the part of Mick Jagger. <laughs> Oh, I guess my analogy went. Uh, I guess that one didn't uh, land. I see your point as a visiting fan. As a visiting going to fan, see your team in their little little barn. Yeah, their little their little cute little barn. I think it's going to be a cool experience too. And then it's not going to be because it's three years. Yeah, that, that sucks. I got to throw out a break after that one. Well, you don't like Wrap that analogy. <laughs> We're gonna work oh. mentally work through that. Oh. The only one stoned right now is you. <laughs> or he's rolling back there. He's microdosing. Okay, questions. we'll get Luke Fox on. He's in Montreal. He'll help us tee up the Leafs and the Canadians tonight. More of that after the break. You're listening to Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne. Real Kipper and Bourne.